0: This presentation is brought to you by the Friends of the Amazing Facts Ministry.
1: Did you know it's against the law to doze off under a hairdryer in Florida, to play hopscotch on Sunday in Missouri, to hunt camels in Arizona, to insert a penny in your ear in Hawaii, to tie a giraffe to a telephone pole in Atlanta, to catch mice without a license in Cleveland, to put a skunk in your boss's desk in Michigan, to detonate a nuclear weapon within Chico, California city limits, which carries a punishment of $500, to bathe less than once a year in Kentucky, to pawn your dentures in Las Vegas. Yes, there are about two million laws in the U.S., and if a person could review them at a rate of about two a day, you'd be qualified to act as a law-abiding citizen in about 6,000 years. Yet the Lord was able to summarize the entire duty of man to God in just 10 simple precepts that contain about 325 words. Jesus said God's law boils down to two crucial principles, love for God and love for our fellow man. Join me now friends as we consider the relevance of God's law in our lives today. So tonight we have a very important program and it's dealing with the subject of the law of God. Now, the title of the series is The Law of the Lamb because Jesus is God the Son. Amen? Amen. God put His Word, the Ten Commandments, on two tables of stone. This is the law of the Lamb. It is written by the Lord by His own finger. Now, where did the Ten Commandments come from? We always picture you know, Moses up on top of the mountains there. Some have got pictures of Moses in their mind. He's writing the law. But you read in the Gospel of John, all things that were made were made by Him. Who's that? That's talking about Jesus. And He's the one who was responsible for giving us the law. So some people think that the law of Jesus in the New Testament is different from the law of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. It's the same God that gave both laws. So there's a lot of confusion, even among Christians today, about what law do we keep which laws were nailed to the cross, and how do Christians relate to the Ten Commandments without being legalists? And then there's that question, is obedience legalism? Interesting question, sort of a rhetorical question. How does this all relate to Revelation? Follow me. If you go to Revelation chapter 14, verse 9, it tells us there that a third angel followed, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image, and receives his mark on his forehead, or in his hand, the same will drink the wine of the wrath of God that is poured out in full strength into the cup of his indignation. Here's one of the most fearful curses and plagues pronounced in the Bible. It's actually in the New Testament. And it's pronounced against those who worship the beast. Then you can read on. It says, he'll be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb going down a little further in that same chapter it will contrast the ones who are not worshipping the beast and it says here is the patience of the saints, this is verse 12, Revelation 14, 12, here is the patience of the saints, here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Notice it doesn't say faith in Jesus, it says faith of Jesus. Now that's a characteristic you find throughout Revelation. Those who are worshipping the beast are breaking one of the commandments because the Bible says you're to only worship God and you're not to pray to idols. And it talks about making an image to the beast. Look for instance in Revelation 13, 15. He was granted to give power and breath to the image of the beast, that the image should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Well if you're a believer in God and you're commanded to do image worship, what do you do? What would be wrong with image worship? Is there a command that forbids us from image worship? Is that only in the Old Testament? Or does John also in the New Testament say, my little children, keep yourself from idols. And so this is a a commandment you find going all the way through the Bible. We need to understand the relationship between the saved Christian and the law if we're going to be ready for the last days and what's coming. And again, it goes on to say, Revelation 13.15, that uh, those that do not worship the image of the beast would be killed. Then you jump now to the book of Daniel. And if you look in Daniel 3.10, some of you remember that uh, Daniel had three friends named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They refused to bow down and worship the image of the king. And the king had said, whoever does not worship the image will be killed. Do you notice the echo? coming from Daniel into Revelation? Very similar language. Those who do not worship the image of Babylon would be killed. Gonna be talking about Babylon in our next presentation. They said, we cannot bow down to your image. Our law forbids it. The law of God. That's something we're gonna need to know for the last days. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. They faced a tremendous test. What happened? Did God preserve them? because they put the law of God first. They stood up for God and His Word, and God stood up for them. Jesus Himself went into that fiery furnace with them and air-conditioned it. He preserved them. The only thing that was burned were the ropes that had bound them. Then you go to Daniel chapter 6. Remember, there's a parallel between Daniel and Revelation. The king, King Darius, makes a law, and he makes a royal statute and a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, would be cast into the den of lions. There, first commandment. What does that say? First of the ten. Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Right? Daniel said, I'm sorry, God's law forbids me from making you my God, King Darius. I am putting the law of God ahead of the law of man. Doesn't Peter say we ought to obey God rather than men? is the day coming in the future according to prophecy when the beast power is going to be compelling people to worship something God forbids. So do we need to understand the right relationship between the Lord and the law if you're going to be a Bible Christian? Because it says a lot here about the commandments of God. So let's delve into our lesson to get a right understanding of the law without turning into legalists as we study these things in the light of prophecy. Question number one. Can God's moral law be amended or repealed? Now, I should probably tell you, when we say moral law, we don't hear that phrase much anymore, but it was the term that was used for many years by Christians to describe the Ten Commandments because there are many laws in the Bible. There's civil laws in the Bible. There were were government laws. There were health laws. There were ceremonial laws. And then there was the moral law, which was the law of the Ten Commandments. And I remember growing up that any schoolboy used to know most of them because in public school in California, we had the Ten Commandments on the wall in our school. Does anyone else remember that? I see a few hands. I guess I'm getting old. Huh? Yeah, anyway, some of you remember that? Public school, Ten Commandments on the wall. And you wonder if the epidemic of crime could be connected with our saying, oh, well, we phew, wouldn't want the kids accidentally keeping the Ten Commandments because that would be bad influence, religious influence. No. Can God's law be changed? Psalm 89 verse 34, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God made a covenant. It's called the the Old Covenant, but the law has not been changed. You'll find out about that a little later in the presentation. You can also read in Psalms 111.7, He says, all of His commandments are sure they stand forever and ever. In fact, if you've never done it before I'd encourage you to read one little chapter in the Bible, it's called Psalm 119. I'm teasing, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. The whole chapter is how I love your law. It's all about loving the law. People don't usually put law and love together, do they? It's like they're opposites. But you know, when you really love the Lord, you love His law. All His commandments are sure, they stand forever. You can read Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Jesus Christ is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And so His law is eternal in nature, the moral law. Now the reason that I don't believe that God's Ten Commandment law can change is because the Bible definitions for the Ten Commandment law are the same definitions that are given for God Himself. And so if you're trying to do away with the Ten Commandment moral law, you're going to start finding yourself trying to do away with the character of God. Let me illustrate. The Bible says God is good. You can find that in Luke 18, 19. Well, the Bible says the law is good. The Bible says God is holy. The Bible says the law is holy, Romans 7.12. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, God is just. The Bible says the law is just, Romans 7.12. Bible says that God is perfect. God is love. The Bible says that the law is perfect. The law is love. It says that God is righteous, and I'm not going to read all these verses to you. He is truth. He is pure, He is spiritual, He is unchangeable, He is eternal. Every single one of those things that describes God, it also is using to describe the Law. Now that should not surprise you if you're a Christian because one of the names for Jesus is the Word. And one of the names for the Law is the Word. The Law is of course the Word of God written by God's own finger. It's eternal in nature. Now. What are you thinking right now? When I'm talking about the law, do you have good warm feelings? Or does the, law, the word law make you nervous? When you think of the law, do you feel peace or do you feel guilt? Think about that. I'm not going to say anymore. According to the Bible, what is sin? There's a few definitions for the sin. The Bible says anything not of faith is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. You can read in Romans 3.20 by the law is the knowledge of sin. So we learn about sin by the law. Well, that would make you think that I don't want to, I don't want the law because it's going to tell me about sin. I don't want to know about my sin. I already feel guilty enough. So if I look at the law, I'm going to feel bad. That's well, it's not your enemy. Another definition, a really good definition that you're going to find here in the Bible, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, it says, and this is almost like it's right out of a dictionary, sin is the transgression of the law. And so, do we still have sin in the world today? We must still have law. Sin is a transgression of the law. What law? And that's the next question. To what law does 1 John 3 verse 4 refer to? Well, you can read the answer to that, you can really get from Romans 7, 7. I know I'm giving you a lot of Scripture, but I want to make sure that your understanding about this subject is really rooted in the Word. He said, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, you shall not covet. Now when Paul says, you shall not covet, where do you find that? Which commandment is that? Commandment number 10. It says thou shall not covet. So Paul is saying, I wouldn't have known about sin if it wasn't for the law, and then he's referring to, of course, the moral law, the 10 commandment law. And uh, do we have problems with law keeping in the country and the world today? Uh, it's pretty serious. I think I quoted this actually, same quote to you in an earlier presentation, that every 100 hours more youth die in U.S. streets than were killed in the Persian Gulf Warfare, U.S. News and World Report. Another report tells us that um, the average 18-year-old has witnessed 200,000 violent acts on television, including 40,000 murders by the time he's 18 years old, a young person. So if we are changed by beholding, and if people are spending all of this time beholding evil, then is that going to have an impact on us? And it's also affecting the morals. I don't know if you know that it's just gone epidemic now. Some of you probably heard about 2015. There was a website called Ashley Madison and some people that were really upset with what the the goal of this website was to encourage people to have affairs. Their motto was, life is short, have an affair. And people could go and register there. And a lot of marriages were breaking up because of this website. They actually had uh, 37 million people registered. 5.5 of them had registered as women. So it was not just a problem of the men, but uh, predominantly it was the men. And the group said, if you don't take down your website, we've hacked all your information, we're making it public. Well, they didn't take it down and these people were not just threatening, they did make public um, 25 gigabytes of company data, the personal information and names of the people that had been using that website. But that's a lot of people. There's only 300 million in North America, a lot of them are kids, 37 million people investigating how to have an affair. Do you think we have too much law in the church? Or maybe people aren't hearing about the law of God. And by the way, that's the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. The Bible says that um, adulterers will not be in the kingdom of heaven. Don't go anywhere, friends. In just a few moments, we'll return and complete this presentation. You know, one of the big debates in the Christian world today has to do with, how does a Christian relate to the law of God? Now clearly, some things were nailed to the cross and a Christian does not need to keep the Old Covenant. But what about the Ten Commandments? After all, they're not called the Ten Recommendations or the Ten Suggestions or God's Ten Good Ideas. We have a special lesson we'd like to share with you and it's called Written in Stone. Even in the title you can understand Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God in stone, so obviously this is important. If you'd like to understand this subject and much more related to it, then make sure and send for this free offer and you'll be blessed. To get your free copy, call the phone number on your screen and ask for offer number 111. And after you read this incredible resource, make sure and share it with a friend. Let's get back to today's presentation and learn some more amazing facts about the Word of God. God wants us to keep His commandments. It's pretty clear about that. Now the bottom line is a Christian follows who? what does the word Christian mean? A Christian is supposed to be a follower of Christ. What did Jesus do? Did Jesus keep the Ten Commandments? Well, he said so. He said in John fifteen ten, I have kept my Father's commandments. That would certainly include the Ten, right? Some are saying, well, Jesus only kept the Ten Commandments because He's a Jew. We're Christians now. He saved us from the law. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> you know, when I first started reading the Bible and... and um, you know, my mother was an actress. She was actually in the movie The Ten Commandments. And I even before I was a Christian, I remember seeing that Charles and Heston movie. She had a very little part. I don't want you to think she was a you know, famous actress. Whenever my kids and I watch it, I said, there's Grandma. There she goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really short scene. But I get to say she was in the movie. So that makes me feel pretty good. So um, so I, I knew, you know, what the Ten Commandments were but i was surprised after becoming a christian to hear christians telling me oh but we're we're saved because of jesus jesus kept the law so we don't have to and i thought really you mean He died and took our penalty to give us a license to sin i thought he died didn't the angel tell mary to save us from our sins not in our sins sin is my problem i want to be saved from my sin i don't want to be saved to continue with these things that cause all these problems in my life i want to be delivered from these things by the way in the book of revelation it's all a book about victory if you read the message that jesus gives to each of the churches revelation chapter 2 and 3 seven messages seven churches you know what he says to every church in every age to him that overcomes to him that overcomes to him that overcomes do you think jesus would say that seven times and then say it's not really possible Of course He wants us to be obedient. What's the alternative? Jesus would heal somebody. He'd say, go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. What is sin? Transgression of the law. So when He said to Mary Magdalene, go and sin no more, or He said to that paralytic that He healed, go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you, He was talking about, you know, Mary almost got stoned, assuming she was the woman caught in adultery. We're not sure of that. But He said, don't do that. It could kill you. (laughs) Don't, sin is bad, it hurts you. Jesus said, I've kept my Father's commandments. You can read in 1 Peter 2.22, it says, Jesus who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. Sin is the transgression of the law. Jesus committed what? No sin. Jesus perfectly kept the Father's commandments. Now, we haven't. All of us have sinned. We all struggle with temptation and sin every day. Amen? It's a challenge. But because we all struggle and we often fall, does that mean we shouldn't make every effort by God's grace to do His will? And what is the will of God? Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but they that do the will of my Father in heaven. What is the will of God? Lord, I love to keep Your law. I love to keep Your uh, commandments. Your law is written in my heart. Psalms 119, I think that's verse 45. The law of God, he says, I love to do your will. Your law is in my heart. The will of God is the law of God. The law of God is the will of God. It's God's will that you don't kill each other. It's God's will that you don't covet, that you don't commit adultery, right? And so, if you love them. So how many people have sinned? And we just sort of alluded to this. You can read, of course, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, we, we've all broken God's law and the penalty for sin, of course, is very serious. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So all of us have sinned. None is righteous. No, not one. What is the punishment for living a, a life of sin? You can read there in Romans chapter 6.23, the wages for sin is death. How come we're not dead yet? It's because Jesus, by His death, He's bought us time to make a decision, and He bought eternal life for those that will accept His sacrifice in their place. But why did He die for sin? What is sin? Breaking the law. Why would you want to do the thing that hurt Jesus so much? Yeah, sin is what killed them. Sin is what hurt them. When God told uh, Adam and Eve, if you eat the forbidden fruit in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. The penalty for sin is death. For us to continue willingly living lives of sin, you read in Hebrews chapter 20, 10, 26, it says, if we continue to sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth. So, you know, people stumble and fall, and that's one thing, but to continue in known willing sin after you know God's will, it says there's no more sacrifice for sins, but only a certain fearful looking forward to of judgment and fiery indignation that will devour the adversaries. It's a dangerous thing to tamper and play with sin. Would you let your kids play in the street? Why? Because you don't want them to have any fun? Or because you love them? So will God withhold anything good from His people or is He only wanting us to stay away from what hurts us? Sin is deadly. It's poison. Number 7, do the Ten Commandments still apply to New Testament Christians? This is one of the most important things I want to make clear in this presentation. Absolutely. Matthew 19, verse 17, He said, If you will enter into life, keep the commandments. And the rich young ruler said to Jesus, Which? And Jesus began to recite the Ten Commandments. Is that pretty clear? I mean, it's right from the mouth of Jesus. And Christ said, do not think that I've come to destroy the law and prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And some think that means, well, that means do away with. No, fulfill means to fill full. Matter of fact, a little later, um, or earlier actually in the same book, when Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized, John said, oh, you're the Messiah, you need to baptize me. And jesus had suffered to be so now for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness now does the word fulfill mean do away with Where jesus had said to john you need to do this to do away with all righteousness no it means to complete to fulfill all righteousness christ jesus said don't think i've come to destroy law and prophets whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and teach men so he will be spoken of as least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever will do and teach them he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven and so christ was very clear about the law he said do not think that i've come to get rid of it Uh, well i've got more verses on that in a minute he said if you love me do what keep my commandments again Revelation 22, this is a Revelation subject. Blessed are those who do His commandments. Is it a cursing or a blessing? It's a blessing God. I'm talking about a blessing tonight, friends. You get this subject, you'll be blessed. How is it possible to keep the commandments? This is very important. Romans 8, 3 and 4. God sending His own Son condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. All of us kind of feel the war between the Spirit and the flesh within and through the power of Christ, we don't have to be controlled by the flesh but you can be born again, God gives you a new heart, that's the new covenant. Philippians 4.13, I can do how much? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will give you strength through His Word and through His Spirit to resist temptation, to get victory, to be overcomers, to live a new life. I was doing a TV program. Uh, It was actually a, a Christian station where I was debating some other ministers on this subject. And one of them said, nobody can keep the law. And I said, well, I'll agree that we've all sinned, but I don't agree that nobody can keep the law. I asked him, I said, do you believe that the devil can tempt us to sin? He said, yes. I said, do you believe that Jesus can keep us from sin? The pastor said, no. I said, so your devil's bigger than your Savior. I read, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and that I can do all things through Christ. And Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this all, it just it breaks my heart, you know, that it's doctrines of devils when even pastors are telling people. I hear it on the radio, and if you were driving with me in the car, you'd really probably be entertained because I get, I start talking to the radio. I'll hear, I listen to Christian stations, and I'll hear pastors, people call them with a Bible question, No, pastor, is it necessary to keep the law? I say, no, we're not under the law, we're under grace now. We only need to keep two commandments, love the Lord and love your neighbor. Because <laughs> Jesus gave us a new commandment and Jesus says a new commandment I give unto you. And then He went on to say love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. What was Jesus doing when He said that? Quoting Moses. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and it's in Leviticus 19.18. Jesus is saying a new commandment and then He's quoting Moses. The idea of loving the Lord and loving your neighbor is the essence of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are all about love, God is love, it's an expression of His love. First four commandments deal with love for God, last six commandments deal with love for your fellow men, the whole law is summarized in love. If you love God, you won't break the first four. If you love your fellow man, you're not going to kill him, you're not going to talk about him, you're not going to lie about him, you're not going to steal from him. Love is the fulfilling of the law, Paul says, amen? Don't
0: forget to request today's life-changing free resource. Not only can you receive this free gift in the mail, you can download a digital copy straight to your computer or mobile device. To get your digital copy of today's free gift, simply text the keyword on your screen to 40544 or visit the web address shown on your screen and be sure to select the digital download option on the request page. It's now easier than ever for you to study God's word with amazing facts, wherever and whenever you want and most important, to share it with others. What if you could know the future? What would you do? What would you change? To see the future, you must understand the past. This intriguing documentary hosted by Pastor Doug Batchelor explores the most striking Bible prophecies that have been dramatically fulfilled throughout history, Kingdoms in Time. For more information, visit KingdomsInTime.com. Don't forget to request today's free offer. It's sure to be a blessing. And thank you for your continued support as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We hope you'll join us next week as we delve deep into the Word of God to explore more amazing facts.
1: This presentation was brought to you by the Friends of the Amazing Facts Ministry.